I'm so terrified to take a sip of this margarita TBH because I like eyeballed the shot and I definitely feel like that lady that's like two shots of vodka. Mm -hmm. But it's like really enough to kill me. Yay. Oh god, no, no. Oh, oh my god, no, 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 no. Oh, no. Whew. Oh my god, you're making me we're... like gag from here. I don't know if we're doing that, but I may not be able to finish my story, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I might have to drain this white claw and put this baby down the drain. I literally just felt some hair grow on my chest. <laughs> Here's the red. <laughs> podcast oh what's up guys welcome back to the red rum and red wine podcast the podcast where we talk about murder mysteries and mishaps here are two of them here's Kristen. here's sarah <laughs> Ooh, yeah back at it again it's fucking uh, it's about that procrastination time you know i experienced first week of grad school and the rush was on. It, it was on to finish this case. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, dude, I feel you. Shout out to uh, anyone, you know, returning to school or going to school this semester. We're right there with you. So, you know, just cheers to uh, uh, <clears throat> my procrastination being ultimately challenged, balancing the podcast and school. Well, we'll see. It's going okay so far. It's going pretty good. And you know what? We have documentaries to help us out. So documentaries in general, thank you for helping out the procrastination people of the world by giving us information in video form so we do not have to read it with our eyes. It makes the world a thousand times better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Praise. But yeah. That. We're going to sip on. <laughs> I was like, praise who? Damn it. <laughs> praise White Claw. <laughs> praise white claw and this fucking margarita that i made that may kill me if i actually drink it all because it's oh god yeah no should we just should we just fucking get right in get right into this i guess so i'm trying i'm honestly trying to think of anything else that uh we should mention but because i feel like i saw something yesterday on the news and i was like oh my gosh I should talk to Kristen about that just to make some conversation. And I forgot what it was. I'm just trying to avoid the news at all costs right now, honestly. Yeah, it's dude, too sad. it sucks. Like, because, you know, our neighbor is over in Afghanistan right now. I wanted to ask, yeah, because with the bombing that happened, I got real worried there for a second. Yeah, same. So that day, um, I sent her pictures of her cats and a video of her dog getting, like, running around. She had... She was in a playful mood, so I was, like, running around with her, and she does this thing where she plays hide-and-seek, because that's what Savannah does with her, so mm-hmm. um, she'll, like, hide behind the counter, and she won't come out until I kind of, like, chase after her, and she'll run the other way, but then I'll do that same thing, you know, and so I sent her a video of that, and she was like, oh, dude, thank you, like, you have no idea, like, with the day I've had, that just made my day 
you know, just not having to worry about my animals and knowing that they're taken care of. Yeah. And I, we didn't really talk about it because she's not allowed to. So, you know, I, I obviously knew like what she was referring to. And so I was just like, yeah, dude, that's crazy. Oh, yeah. So, Props uh, out there to our troops, man. We love and support everything you do. Yeah. Um, but also there's just been a plethora of... <laughs> you know crazy shit the world and crazy no the world is for real like ending and it's a full moon every fucking day let's just be honest and when i'm telling you when you hear this story it is like the peak of full moon craziness (laughs) i'm not even joking this is like that little love story it's just like i was inspired and i ran with it and then i found this one and i was like whoa okay let's let's see whose love story is crazier (laughs) (laughs) i don't know (laughs) oh i'm excited (laughs) A little true crime off. So, yeah, because blah, 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 blah. because today I'm going to be talking about a case that was based off a documentary I saw. You can watch it for free on YouTube if anyone wants to check it out. It is called A Crazy Love, and it is based on the love of Bert Pugosh and Linda Riss. Okay. Bert and Linda. Bert and Linda. So... This story is going to be a little bit on, I hate to say lighter, like it's a heavy, insane story, but it's a story where no one dies, thankfully. So survivor story, it's nice in that sense. Uh, I wanted to give something a little bit easier to digest because the next two cases I have lined up are not. So just wanted to give us a nice palate cleanser before we dive into the real deep stuff. So Clean my palate. (laughs) (laughs) So our crazy love story begins in September of 1957. I'm taking you back a little bit. So there are two men that are driving in a car and they are going over to Joyce Kilmer Parks, which is in Bronx, which is like New York area. It's a Jewish holiday and they're driving over to the park when one of the men suddenly hits on the brakes and brings the car to a screeching halt. Now, the dude that's sitting next to him in the car, whose name is Bob Jankoff, looks at his buddy and starts screaming and yelling at him. And he's like, what the hell are you doing? Why did you do that? What the hell is going on? Now, his friend who's driving the car, whose name is Bert Pugash, looks at Bob and goes, do you see that girl sitting over there on the bench? She is absolutely gorgeous. I have to have her. (laughs) Now the woman, I'm going to do that a lot. Oh my God, I just love their accents. I have to. Sorry. Sorry if anyone gets offended. Click off now. Now the woman's name that was sitting on the bench is Linda Riss. And she's essentially sitting on the bench waiting for a friend when suddenly she describes this really odd eccentric man approaching her and just basically saying like a bunch of nonsense. She's like, this man approached me and I just have no idea what he was saying. Like it was the weirdest thing. So in the documentary, both of them are in it. It's coming from both of their perspectives. uh, Yes, perspectives. Thank you. So Bert tries to defend himself and he was like, oh, I had just come back from London making a movie. So I was trying to go up to her and kind of woo her being like, oh, my God, we're you were an extra in one of the movies I was just making in London. Like I was just making it with this guy named Keith Brussel who like, I'm going to say a lot of famous names and unless 
you like stuff that's in the 50s, like, you're probably not going to know these names, but just know that these are, like, oh, my, you'd be like, oh, my God, that's, like, Britney Spears and Justin yeah. Timberlake. It's just, um, like, but he was telling the truth about all the movie stuff? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, he, he literally did just come back from London, and he really did just make a movie, and he does know all of these famous people. But to Linda, she's just, like, this guy's a nut. Like, he was coming at her with all of these weird things and she's right? like, like did I ask <laughs> yeah she's like I'm just a normal girl fucking sitting on a bench like I don't want to talk to you dude so she says how she basically just like gives him her phone number to get rid of this guy make him go away and that their wavelengths were totally off like there was just no way that she could ever see herself seeing this guy and really she honestly thought that he was completely lying like she thought that everything he was saying was just a load of crap Right, some kook. <laughs> yeah, some random kook off the street just harassing her. But when she gets home, she looks at her doorstep and notices there are dozens of roses littered everywhere. Oh. And like, she's like, cute but creepy? Yeah, she's like, okay, like, what the heck is going on? Like, okay, wait, who is, who is this dude again? So, back up a little bit just to say a little bit about this dude. Now, Bert Pugosh grew up in the Bronx and he grew up during the 30s and this is a time where Bert would say that the only thing that people had was their honor. It was their just honor. Like, their honor. honor. <laughs> it was Great Depression era, like no one had much of anything. Um he would also describe that his childhood was not uh, the best. So he would have a terribly doting mother who had the notion that he was basically not capable of doing anything on his own. He would even go on to describe that she would bathe him herself until he was like 10 or 12 years old. Oh. Yeah. A little, Hmm. a little ick, but uh, okay. He -hmm. would also describe how he was a terrible reader when he was younger, which when you hear his profession later on is like kind of surprising, but I mean, I guess good for him for overcoming that. But when his mom found out that he was a terrible reader, she would go into absolute panic mode and start to beat her child daily over it. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he well, That's would not going to help him read better. Exactly. Ex- yeah. Not, Jesus. Not, maybe a tutor. I don't know. He would describe how she would use a belt to whip him across the face. And she would do this so much. Or, like, she would do this so often and with so much force that it would actually displace his lower teeth. And you could see in the documentary how, like, uh, different... The the halves of his teeth were kind of, like, facing each other. Kind of like they would get shifted in the way that the belt was hitting. You could just tell that they were kind of fucked up. It's... Yeah, it's bad. The beatings would get so bad that his aunt would have to come down and pretty much like physically stop the mom from beating him be like that's enough you don't need to hurt him anymore like let him be she would also constantly call him a book learned idiot so the mom was just like not a very nice character in his life was he an only (laughs) child i don't think that he had any siblings it didn't seem like he did But because of this, he would really look up to his father and get a really close relationship with him because when his father would come home, the beatings would stop. And they essentially made it seem like uh, Bert's mom and dad, like, yes, they were married, but I 
don't think that they really loved each other. Mm. And I think she kind of like resented the dad and therefore kind of like resented Bert a little bit is what it seems like. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So it it just seemed like I guess the dad kind of picked up on that and really just like took Bert under his wing and really tried to protect him. And you'll see like later on, like they just do fucking terrible, strange things together. So I assume they're Jewish then? Yes. So Bert is Jewish. Um, He would even so he would get bullied a lot at school. And there was even an instance where his mom would throw him a bar mitzvah, but she would throw it at a Chinese restaurant, which I guess like to us, it's not a big deal. But when you think of a Jewish bar mitzvah, it's usually like this really big, extravagant ordeal. And they have like huge haul I mean just like people spend loads of money so when it's thrown in this Chinese restaurant it kind of like adds to the torment he gets from the friends and the people at school Mm -hmm. and a lot of people would say that the mom kind of like did it on purpose in order to like further humiliate Bert in public yeah just kind of like this huge thing going on where like the mom just really fucking does not like Bert and she like makes it well known yeah it's like psychological warfare yeah it's she does not get mom of the year that's for sure it's a little messed up but I mean Bert would not let this get in the way of his educational goals um he would even go on to graduate second in Brooklyn Law School so super super smart guy I want to like I think I mentioned it later on down um but when he is later tested by a psychologist they find that he has an IQ of like 133 which is pretty like you're really fucking smart you're pretty gifted if you have an iq of 133 yeah mine's probably pretty low mine's probably like (laughs) i was gonna be like that's high i assume like um, i don't know anything about iq so i don't know but i looked it up and it's like 140 is like above superior so like 133 is like it's above average pretty Mm. much so you're a really smart person And he uses this knowledge to become a well-to-do New York lawyer. So it is a good time to mention, though, that Bert, in, like, every instance of the documentary, when everyone is asked about Bert's appearance, everyone would go on to describe him as a completely, like, unattractive and bland guy. (laughs) One of Linda's friends would say that he looked like Arnold Stank, which... I don't know who that is. I don't know if anyone knows who that is. But he basically plays, like, almost like an Urkel kind of character on TV. Like, really nerdy, really goofy. Mm. And they do a photo of, like, them back to back. And he honestly does look a lot like that character. (laughs) It's really funny. So he just, like, he's not not a good-looking dude. He's very, um, not someone that I would want to get a drink with if they asked (laughs) me for one. So all of the women are kind of like turned off by him, but in retaliation to this, Bert makes a fucking shit ton of money, baby. Rolling so, in the dough. Mm-mm, what other way are you going to get women, huh? So <laughs> at the time, it was said that he was making around forty to up to $80,000, which I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but you have to take into account that the average person at this time was making $4,000 a year. And he yeah. was making 40 to 80. So he's he's doing good. 
Yeah, wow. He mm-hmm. he would buy himself a baby blue powdered Cadillac convertible, Ooh, and he would make sure so to have... So 50s slick. I know. And then, like, they show a picture of the car, and I'm like, oh, I would have given anything to have ridden <laughs> that car. It looks so cool. And he would make sure that he had the newest fucking model every single year. Like, he loved to show off. He would buy a nightclub. He bought oh, a plane. Okay. Like, and, this uh-huh. fool was fucking, like... Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm like, I see that plane. I see that nightclub. I see that. I'm like, okay, maybe you can buy me that drink. I'll, yeah. I'll, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take, take it. you up on that offer. Yeah. I'll, I, I, I like the odds now. <laughs> so <laughs> he would for sure use that money and like made himself the life of the party. Everyone loved to be around him and he was a good time all around. Now, Linda on the other hand, grew up with a life without her folks, kind of the opposite of what Bert had lived growing up. So when she was around four, her parents had split up and her mother essentially became a businesswoman. She started working on her own and not being able to juggle being a businesswoman and taking care of Linda, she decided to move Linda into her aunt's house around the age of five. So Linda didn't really grow up with any type of family security, but it was something that her cousin uh, would say later on that it was something that Linda just seemed to accept. Like she didn't play victim or go like, what was me? She just kind of took it as that's how life is. I'm just going to get through it. Uh, now, at the age of 12, Linda would contract grammatic fever, which I guess was fairly common at the time. Now, Linda did have a sister but her sister had actually passed away of grammatic fever herself. Oh, so man. when Linda had gotten the same condition, she got really worried and uh, kind of like fearing the worst, moved back in with her mother and grandmother into the grandmother's house. Ooh. Now, I guess you could say because of this upbringing, she was fairly insecure and It would even go on to say that she would suck her thumb until her teenage years. Like, she just didn't really have a lot of confidence in herself. Mm -hmm. And though a lot of her friends would describe her as tough on the outside, a lot of uh, her one, one of, like, her best friends in the documentary would describe that she would see something underneath that, like, really attracted her to Linda. It was, like, I guess her soft side. Yeah. Sarah, I think I sent you a picture. Yes. And I'll for sure post one. Linda was also freaking a drop dead gorgeous. Like Linda was getting it. She had everything going on. She had the hair. She had the eyes. She had the face, the lips, like everything. Linda. Yes, honey. Yeah. She had the body. I mean, she had it all. And of course, she was super popular with the men. The men loved Mm -hmm. her. They loved her. Dude, this picture is so cute. It's like obviously in the 50s era yeah. and you can just see it's obviously an old picture and you can just see the people in the background, how they're dressed and she just looks like super um, like classy kind of. Yeah. In the documentary, they have so many good photos of her, but I mean like girls just stunning. She was really, really, really pretty. Like, Does she have just- two arms? Okay. <laughs> it may be because the photo's black and white. <laughs> but yeah, she has two arms. Okay, it just looks like... <laughs> I'm just wondering. Just curious, is she fully uh, limbed? <laughs> but um, 
a lot of people would go on to like call her a tease and because Linda would act and kind of dress a little risque like uh-huh. Linda was pretty and she, she knew she was fucking hot. knew it yeah she <laughs> knew it so she liked to wear clothes that showed off her body she loved the attention that she got from men she would always be dating around and so a lot of people would naturally assume like Oh, she's a little slutty. She's a little yeah. easy. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it was, like, furthest from the truth. Um, She actually remained a virgin until, like, her mid-30s, I believe. Okay. So, yeah. Like, she, she really did just like the attention. She was one of those people that, like, obviously she fucking was getting it. She knew, like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm going to save myself until marriage. But people were obviously, like, fucking mcpeanut butter and jealous about it and (laughs) just had to say like no you're a tease screw off um and you also have to think like why i'm making such a point of it is like back in the 50s this is very much like um you don't have premarital sex or you will fucking die like you you just don't do it your reputation will get fucking ruined like you just it's a big no-no so you just have to remember like People weren't how we are now. I mean, they were. They were just much more secretive about it, let's be honest. So yeah, it, it was... wasn't as wildly accepted to for women to um, have fun Yeah, as to men did. Have a life. To have a life, yeah. But so for Linda, it was very much something that uh, she wanted to keep her reputation intact. So she was very much a woman who was saving herself until marriage and very much lived by that society's standard at the time. Nice. Good for her. Yeah. So, of course, now we're back to the roses on her doorstep. She sees these roses and she's like, oh, my God. Well, who the fuck's this guy? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, he is kind of like weird but I mean like he has a nice job but I mean I don't know he's not that attractive and she's kind of like talking to her grandmother about it and her grandmother after seeing the flowers and hearing that this guy's a lawyer she goes well if he's better looking than the devil he's good looking hell yeah grandma (laughs) grandma was real happy that Linda found herself a lawyer so (laughs) she Linda was kind of like okay well I mean like I don't see what could be so bad about being with a guy who has a lot of money. And when Bert called and was like, hey, do you like the roses? You want to get a drink? You want to go on my plane? She was like, oh. Well, okay, where are we getting a drink? Italy? <laughs> yeah, so where are we going? <laughs> so. Oh, my God. Okay, side note on that. Just while we're on that topic, Blake is getting his pilot's license. And I can fly with him on his training flies, you know? They're like two or three hour flies and I can ride with him. But also, he said that when he gets his license and he can fly without an instructor, we can fly north in New Mexico to like Santa Fe or Taos or somewhere to have lunch. (gasps) That would be so much fun. I know. (laughs) And then fly back. Like it's not out of state or anything, but it's still freaking cool. How romantic. I'm just like, and that's why I'm like, okay, Linda, I fucking get it, girl. I get it. I mean, I would be right there. I'd be Uh right there on that motherfucking plane. Be right there grabbing that drink. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Bert takes her to a little cabaret, and the lights are dimmed down low, and he orders her a drink, and they talk, and after that night, they're together. They're They're together forever. They're in love. So he's the other picture you sent me, right? Yeah, that's Bert. He's really not, like, ugly. I don't don't think... I mean, the money definitely... But you also are looking... You're looking at this photo with the notion that he is very rich. You have to take the fact that this man is not... Take the money out of that photo, Sarah. He looks like he he could be sweet. No. You'll find out later. He's really not. Okay. (laughs) I wonder, like, if he packs. (laughs) You know what? I don't know. Maybe. But also, that's just... Yeah. Okay. We'll see. I mean, no, we won't see. But anyways, so <laughs> they would start going to nightclubs, his nightclub, obviously, <laughs> and she would start meeting stars. Like, um, they became he, they were friends with the Demarco sisters, Keith Brazelli. Like, I'm saying these names, like I know who they are, but <laughs> I'm just like I trust the documentary. These are like fucking famous people, like big names. So, Linda, yeah, just trust in the process. It's fine. So Linda would go on to say that he would pick her up in the morning and they would have breakfast together and then he would drop her off at work and then he would pick her up back at lunch and then they would go out to lunch together and then he would pick her back up at five. He would take her home so she'd get a new change of clothes and then they would go out on the town all night long. And that's like what they did every fucking day. And I'm like, oh, the life. The life, but it sounds kind of exhausting. Yeah, well, exhausting and fucking expensive, but (laughs) he would say they would go to the Coco Cabana, they would go to the Latin Quarter, these super, super nice places at the time, and really, like, Linda and obviously her friends, because Bert's like, yeah, take your friends, come join them, like, let them, whatever, so these girls are experiencing a life that, like, they have not experienced because they've been going out with these, like, boys essentially that don't have any money and so to finally have this like grown-ass adult man who has all of this money and they're taking them out on all of these exorbitant experiences I mean it's just like whoa everyone is super super impressed by Bert and this is like a whole new ball game for them and everyone would say that Bert just became absolutely love struck with Linda like in completely infatuated madly in love with her but linda's friends would just simply say that linda was impressed with bert she uh-huh. wasn't really like she didn't love bert she just liked the she lifestyle that <laughs> bert had yeah she didn't think he was really that attractive oh well it happens but i mean she had every reason to be impressed with bert because he was coined the genius of negligence attorneys at the time and like he was making that loads of money and he was making it for a reason he was really good at his job or i guess at least people thought he was good at his job (laughs) you'll see there was some air of suspicion Uh that these type of lawyers were at the time called ambulance chasers And they were known for doing a lot of scams where they would fake injuries or kind of make injuries worse out than what they were in order for them to get more money. And then once they got more money, they would kind of like split the money, hence the term that it would get uh, fee splitting. Okay. And Bird in the documentary would claim, oh, I never did this. I was never 
I was never a scammer. I would never do this in my entire life. To this day, I have always been an ethical, like, good and trustful businessman. But (laughs) his friend and partner, Bob, would say that Bert wouldn't technically call it fee splitting. He would call it paying someone for a service. So... Uh Take with that what you will. Mm-hmm. There's also an instance that comes up with his assistant, Janet Pomerantz, who, <laughs> like, I fucking love Janet, first off, just fucking throwing it in there. Like, her introduction into the documentary is, first it shows this smoking-ass picture of her. I will try and find <laughs> it. <laughs> but she, like, dark hair, big boobs, wearing, like, a nice-ass dress, just looks smoking. And then her voice comes in, and she goes, I think he probably hired me for my looks. Not that I was a bad secretary, but, you know, maybe I was a bad secretary. I didn't really like being a secretary. (laughs) I'm just like, you go, Janet. You go, girl. Hell yeah. Aware as fuck. (laughs) She just, like, knew what was going on. She would just say, like... She decided how it was. She was very <laughs> honest. I mean, gotta give her that. Uh, yeah, but she would go it. on to, yeah, she would go on to say how one time she had actually gotten hurt during some type of accident, and Bert would tell her like go to the hospital, even though she didn't necessarily need to go to the hospital, and they like got money out of that situation. Mm-hmm. So she she kind of basically says like no, Bert did run these scams. It's essentially how he made his money. Yeah. Wow. But it's all, you know, in quotations. But she would also go on to say that, you know, Bert never really took advantage of her. And she goes, eh, well, maybe a little. But <laughs> she was like, <laughs> but but he never forced me. He never forced me to do anything I didn't want to do. And okay. she was like, and he was kind of cheap. Like, what can you say? He never got anything for a motel. And then she goes, but I mean, who had the time for it? Because she had to go to her husband. Home to her husband. Oh. Because, um... And what she was insinuating, if you haven't caught on, Bert loves to sleep around and Bert loves sex. Because oh, according, does. according to his good old friend Bob, every female client that he ever walked into his office to get the help that they need would get another offer to get them some help in the bedroom. You know, if you're catching my drift, a little wink wink hint hint. So Bert would solicit himself? Yeah. So he would basically go up to every female client and be like, will you sleep with me? Yes or no? And his friend Bob said, well, Bert, don't you get slapped in the face quite a bit? And he's like, yeah, but I also get laid a lot. Huh. So he's just... Uh, Whatever tickles your pickle, Bert. Yeah. So I mean, just, he's got to do what he's got to do because he's, he's yeah. not pulling ladies the normal way, apparently. No. Yeah. No, it's not the physical way. It's very not much... saying it's necessarily OK, but no, but that's just that's just what he did. And, you know, this is the 50s. It it was not seen as men a... are allowed to talk like that, but women weren't. No, no. They were allowed to do whatever they wanted. <laughs> but so, yeah, it's just um. Yeah, it gave him a little confidence booster, and that was his thing. He would even go on to say, like, he used the nightclub as his own little playground of, like, to meet women and get his little kicks. Oh, I uh, bet. But all of that, of course, changed once he met Linda. Mm-hmm. I, I hope it would have. Yeah, but I mean, like, Linda, of course, has no idea that any of this has happened. Like, yeah. no fucking clue. She's swept up in Bert's money and his 
little charm and she's meeting all these celebrities yeah this lifestyle that she's never had before and like in the nightclub that they had Bert would even instruct the club to play the song Linda to come on every time that they walked in (laughs) (laughs) I like wish I would have written down some of the lyrics but it's just like this song about walking down the street da 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 (laughs) something about oh Linda and I'm just like oh my fucking god it's oh my Linda Oh, my Linda. It's really funny. But, yeah, he, like, just (laughs) infatuated. Now, thankfully, even though Linda was swept up in the charm and the money, her family was starting to get a little bit suspicious, particularly Mm. the grandma. Because even though at first she was super happy and super excited and be like, yeah, go for it. It doesn't matter. He's attractive. It doesn't matter if he's ugly. Go for it. She started knitting and sitting and thinking, and she was like, well, why the hell is a guy like that still single in the first place? Mm-hmm. This day and age, a man like him, he would have been married already. For sure. A thousand percent. Makes no sense. So grandma turns into detective grandma. Hell yeah. Does some digging. And discovers he's fucking married. <gasps> mm-hmm. Fucking married. Holy shit, Kristen. Okay. So yeah. this this dude has probably a Jewish wife back at home. Mm-hmm. Fucking taking care of everything, the home, the family. Yeah. Oh Just my fucking whole whole new whole other life. Whole other life. Double life. Double it, Linda, Holy cannoli. Holy fucking cannoli, man. She's blown. She's blown away. She's devastated. She had no fun. She literally thought this man's about to be my husband. He's I'm about to walk down. Like, that's all her intention. Like, she thinks he's he's the end goal. And so to find out he's already fucking married and she's basically wasting her time. Holy. mm -mm. Not. mm -mm. Uh Uh-uh. And so through the grapevine because people didn't have cell phones. I don't know how they communicated back in the day. Somehow, Bert finds out that Linda knows oh. that he's married. And so he goes, oh, shit. Okay, well. If I were Linda, I would have fucking given that baby blue powder Cadillac a new little job, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Fucking demolish that shit. I'm just a little... So... They had, before all of this information had come to light, they had had a date set up already. (gasps) So they go to the date and it's like... Wait, so they were proposed? They were fiancés? No, 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 no. Oh, wait. They had a date, like a like an actual date. You know what I mean? Like, oh, a, uh, let's oh, go okay. on a date. They're going yeah. on a date. I was like, wait, <laughs> no, a no, date no. set? <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, I did like, word that wait. kind of weird. So they had like a date to go out and like get lunch or whatever set before Linda had found out that right. Bert was married. So this date is still ongoing. It's still happening. So Linda goes to the date, I guess, to go and confront Bert and Bert says that he tries to use all of his tricks he even beats her to the punch and as soon as he sits down he goes yeah i'm married what are you gonna do about it huh. <laughs> and linda just starts crying and, oh he doesn't go what are you gonna do about it he goes like but calm down don't worry i'm gonna get a divorce mm-hmm. like he's trying to stall the situation as much as possible because he doesn't want to let linda go obviously he's in love with her huh. 
So Lynch is crying and she's devastated and she's like, oh my God, I don't know. I don't really believe you. And he even gets one of the celebrities, Keith Russell, to come in and say like, oh yeah, I've talked to Bert for sure. Like he has told me a thousand percent Bert is getting a divorce. You have to believe him. Oh, it's it's going to happen. And so Linda is like looking up through her tears and she's like, fine. When you show me the divorce papers, we'll get back together. And he goes, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to have him for a bit. Oh, bullshit. And he goes, that's fine. When you get him, call me. And so the very next day, who does she get a phone call from? From But other than Bert. And he goes, oh, my golly gee. You'll never believe it. You'll never believe it, Linda. My papers came through. <laughs> I'm going to get a divorce. <laughs> Just yeah, because someone Don't. who's a lawyer and has money could get them within seconds. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so Linda's like, fine, let me see it. And so Bert would bring her up to his office where, yes, he's a fucking lawyer. So he has all this like lawyer documentation where he essentially makes this fake divorce decree, mm-hmm. this fake divorce paper and shows it to Linda. But Linda is smart and she goes, fine. This little case number that's in the corner, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to give it to my mom's lawyer, and her lawyer is going to check this out, make sure it's legit. yeah, Linda. Hell yeah, Linda. Here's where she messes up a little bit, though. Oh, no. So, now, it here, like, and I'm like, okay, if it's a lengthy process for you to get a number verified by the courts, then you should, in return, think, ergo, it's going to take a long time for you to get a document from the court saying that you're getting a divorce. But she, in her mind, is thinking, like, whatever, he has this document for me. I'm going to give the number to the lawyer. But until they get that confirmation, it's going to take a long time. Because the lawyer needs to contact the courts, who then contacts another thing, who then contacts the courts, who then gets back yep. to the lawyer. It's, it's, there's, it takes weeks, forever, a yeah, long everything time. Everything really involved know. with divorce is messy long. and takes forever. Yes. So... Instead of waiting to get this confirmation from her mother to start seeing Bert again, she just thinks, oh, well, this looks like a legit document. I'm just going to continue seeing him and, you know, my mom will check it in the meantime. And we'll just go over that bridge when we get there. Oh, great. So a little bit about his actual marriage. Bert gets married to a woman named Francine. And Francine is described as a normal Bronx girl. She is basically, like, they say that she is a normal woman who a normal guy would not mind as a housewife who would cook, clean, and take care of the kids. So Okay. And so they, they do have kids. So they, so they do end up having one daughter, but the daughter is born extremely disabled. And I'm talking, like, this daughter can't walk when she becomes of age she can't talk um she basically needs help doing any type of small task yeah Yeah. so um that really does put a lot of strain on Francine and Bert's marriage and Francine is described as turning into I guess like this frumpy person who just stays at home and takes care of the girl all day long and Bert kind of gets a lot of this guilt and shame of not being able to bring his child out into the public and kind of like show her off but how Francine and Bert got together is um, they were essentially going out for three years, just like dating. 
and they had done everything but sex because again we're at a time where you don't really have sex before you get married including so... but sex I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they did that he said that they did everything but so who knows what that means but essentially one day after the three years of dating she came in crying and said oh my god everyone around town is talking and they're saying that we're having sex and hmm. Bert's like well we're we're not having sex and she's like I know but that's what everyone's saying and she starts crying and she's visibly upset and Bert goes, okay, well, I'll marry you. And so out of guilt, he marries Francine. And it's described that really, like, neither one of them were in love with each other. It was just, which, like, I don't know why you would date for three years if you weren't in love with, but I guess the times were different. I really yeah. don't know. And he probably maybe thought, like, since he was always described as, like, ugly and not attractive, he may have thought, like, he may never this get is the best. another girl. Yeah, like, that I can knows? do. Who knows? But it they really just, like, did what society told them to do and just got married and whatever. So, yeah. yeah. They'd have their daughter, but life was not um, really... It wasn't a happy marriage by any means. And Francine was, like, fully, fully aware that Bert was having affairs the entire time. Okay. Like, she, yeah. She, she knew what was going on. She just didn't care. Yeah. She, I guess, like... She was okay as long as Bert never came to her asking for a divorce. She would let him do whatever he wanted. Yeah, because he's obviously taking care of them financially. Like, she was set up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She just, like, wanted the title and that lifestyle, so she she didn't mind. I mean, shit. Don't blame her. Except, I I don't know if I would be able to... Yeah, you just... Put up with stuff like that. It's, It's weird, yeah. So, obviously, it's kind of like a weird time in their life and obviously on top of it, it's really hard to say when he has this daughter with Francine because a lot of the information even trying to look it up online like I don't know if information in the 50s just wasn't as easily accessible or what so I don't really know when the daughter is born but it's kind of around the time that he's dealing with the struggle of being able to take care of a daughter who is so disabled that the bar association actually launches this huge investigation into a lot of lawyers and this has to do with a lot of the negligent scams that are going on Mm. and so essentially his license is also at the time being threatened like he is it's at the it's to the point where he is at loss of like not being a lawyer anymore so his his life is crumbling his life yeah he said like i would never imagine my life in my 30s ending the way that it was but it was just it was crumbling before him. And at the same time, he's like trying to hold on to this relationship that he has with Linda, who at any moment, as soon as she realizes this divorce isn't real, is going to fucking leave him. Yeah. So while all of this is going on, Linda at the same time is watching all of her friends getting married. Like Mm. she's reaching that age where she herself wants to be married. And in her mind, she's planning this huge fantasy life with Bert. Like, she's making the wedding list for the this non-existent wedding that's going on in her mind. Right. They're going house hunting. Like, he's actually taking her to physical houses oh and God. letting her pick which one she wants. They would go diamond ring shopping. They would go boat shopping. I mean, like, Bert is doing literally everything in his power to keep Linda 
essentially preoccupied so she's not asking like oh when's the wedding date oh when are we getting married like oh when's this when's that yeah she's he's just really like here are shiny objects shiny objects uh. look at the shiny objects and she's like oh okay <laughs> it, okay oh, it's just whew. now thankfully linda has not had sex with bert at this point mm-hmm and it's kind of ticking Bert off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and Bert, I mean, Bert's really trying. He's like, I'm I'm getting, after all these nice things I'm getting for you, you're not going to have sex with me. But Linda was like, no, no, we're going to wait until we're married. Um, yeah. He's the one I pushing don't. back the wedding when she knows she wants to wait for marriage. Like, if yeah. he wants sex, <laughs> yeah, he knows what and, to do. Yeah, so she's like, literally, until this ring is officially on my finger and that marriage license is signed, like, we're not having sex, so stop fucking asking me for it. Okay? Okay. So, of course, Linda doesn't know that Bert's trying to sleep with her so quickly because he knows, like, any day the lawyer is going to be calling. Like, <laughs> hey, this is fake. <laughs> because he's a lying sack of shit. But, of course, he's like, no, she's just denying me sex and I'm going to get upset because it's Linda's fault and not mine for being a lying piece of shit and not marrying her. Whatever. So Bert says on top of this, like Linda not having sex with him was just like the final straw that broke the camel's back and his life was crumbling. And so he begins to drink really heavily okay. and a new side of Bert seemingly appears. So Linda would go on to talk about a lot of instances where Bert would get kind of like jealous or even violent. So there was a time where him and Linda were driving to the beach and they were at a stoplight when another car pulls up next to them. And in the car is actually a gentleman that Linda had dated in the past. <laughs> so he goes like, oh, hey, Linda. And they say like a few words at the red light and then the light turns green and they drive off and it's like no big deal. But then Bert goes, oh, my God, you're screwing around. How dare you? Like, fuck off, oh. da, 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 all this stuff. And then he says, of course, that he starts hearing from other people that Linda's been having sex with all these other men. And he goes into these rages and he gets so paranoid. And it's so, I'm like so disgusted even fucking saying this. <laughs> it gets to the point where he essentially forces Linda into a gynecology office so she can go to a doctor and prove that essentially like my hymen's intact. I'm still a virgin. And I haven't had sex. And the doctor goes in and confirms, like, yeah, she hasn't had sex. Which I'm Ew, just like, you can break oh your hymen other ways, which is God. stupid. So it's just whatever. But yeah. yeah. Fingers. Yes. Toys, and Linda, whatever. Linda describing that instant, she's like, he made me do the worst thing in the world. Like, even this. And I'm just That's like. That's so oh. dehumanizing, kind of. Yes. Yes. It was so upsetting and like hearing her say it even after all of those years, I'm just like, you could still feel like the the shame that you would feel. Because like, why would you make someone ugh, ugh. just ill? It, it was just gross. It's all around gross and it's disgusting that he would make her do that. It's just. Yeah, his like controlling side is definitely starting to show. Yes. So I really don't know why, but she would continue to see him, but. She said, like, from that point on, everything started going downhill, of course, because it's like, how could you have a trusting, loving relationship with someone who would force you to do something like that? I really don't understand. Right. But obviously, like, not long after this 
incident, her mother would confirm that, in fact, the fucking divorce decree was fake and that Bert wasn't getting a divorce. And so she confronts Bert and he goes, oh, no, 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 no. That was an Alabama divorce. I'm getting a New York divorce. It just takes a little bit more time. What the fuck? And Linda's just like, fucking stop, stop. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done with you. We're done for good. I'm bye. So finally, after leaving Bert for good, she decides to pack up her shit. She quits her job and she does like a tiny little eat, pray, love moment and decides to go to Florida with her friend and her friend's family for a month. Hell yeah. So she goes to Florida and basically is like trying to get her mind off of Bert, trying to like move past this whole situation. And it's in Florida where she meets a man by the name of Larry Schwartz. Oh, And they end up dating for, like, the entire summer. Now, Larry is, like, this super good-looking dude, Mm -hmm. super attractive. It was that kind of guy where, like, everyone on the beach thought that he was attractive. And then Linda was the girl that everyone thought that she was attractive. And so it's, like, these two really attractive people just meet and essentially, like, have a huge summer romance. Like, according to her friends, it was the first time that they said that they saw Linda really show any type of love and that it was really the first time that she had really let someone enter her Mm -hmm. heart. So, unfortunately, though, once the summer had ended and Linda went to leave Florida, Larry would actually enlist in the army and the two would part ways. Now, when it was when Linda got back from Florida... That Bert's father would reappear back into the picture. His now, father? His father does not get father of the year, okay? Oh, God. Because what Bert does, or what Bert's father does, he goes up to the door and he goes to Linda's mother and he explains that Bert made the biggest mistake. And that Bert's father himself will personally see to it that Bert gets that divorce. It's going to happen. Linda, come back. Come back to him. What the fuck, Dad? And Linda thought, well, there's no way that his father would be as devious as the son. Not knowing the fucking family history behind Bert. And so she would go back to Bert. So Linda gets back with him and she's like a little weary. She's like, I don't really know what's going to come of this. I don't really believe you after everything that's happened. Like we've done this so many times. I don't really know if you have the intention of divorcing your wife. She would say that. And like Bert would go on to say, I'm trying everything I can. Trying every instance to make it last one more month, one more month, one more month, one more month. And Linda would say that what started off as being very flattering shortly become very stifling to her. And mm. uh, it all came to a headway when one day she gets a call from Francine, Bert's <gasps> wife. And Francine told Linda, you can go out with him. You can do whatever you want with him. But I'm never going to give him a divorce. That's the bottom line. Well, good for Francine, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. So Linda hears this. And she goes, okay, now I'm really fucking done. Hell yeah. Breaks up with Bert yet again. But Bert also has a break of his own. Oh, God. So Bert 
is described by like his assistant Janet, his uh, co-worker partner Bob, that they would like see Bert in his office crying, <laughs> kicking, <laughs> like on the floor, screaming, Linda, Linda, Linda! <laughs> Throwing tantrums for Like Linda. a literal, my literal two-year-old child throwing a tantrum. <laughs> He would even sing the song Linda on a ukulele (gasps) to his iguana named Iggy. Oh (laughs) my god. Walking down the street. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Linda. When I sing to Bush, he smacks me in the face. I'm fucking, I'm a guana, man. Like, I just, I can't. Mm. So, like, it it gets even more, just like, I'm sorry, oh God. I'm sorry. It's just, this goes to show you that we really do not have a sense of, like, when people are mentally losing it back in the 50s, we really just said, okay, let that shit ride out. Okay, fine. <laughs> so, at a Christmas party, uh, Bert would proceed to get really drunk and go around the office screaming about how he was going to kill himself. Oh. Yeah. Lovely, lovely time. (laughs) So the people from the office party managed to somehow, like, get him into a car, and they would take him to Jacoby Hospital. And after seeing a psychiatrist, they were like, this dude needs to be fucking admitted. So they (laughs) admitted him. (laughs) Okay, good. But... Again, this is the 50s. Like, no one thinks of anything of mental illness. A lot of the people at the office, including his assistant, including his partner, they all laughed and thought it was one big joke. They were like, oh, Bert's just acting up again. So when Bert would call Bob to say, like, hey, come let me out, Bert or Bob would go over to the hospital and make a big scene. I guess, like, be like, oh, I'm a lawyer. Like, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to fucking sue you, ass. And, uh, Bert would later be let out which of the hospital which he later says was the worst thing that could have happened to him like he should have been committed for fucking a while oh shit oh so getting released was the worst thing that happened not getting not staying there yeah sorry he later admitted that leaving the hospital was the worst thing that could have happened. okay shit yeah I thought like he he uh, was saying that his time there was the worst thing that could have happened because no, he said, like experienced like, weird, crazy shit. No, he basically said like they should have kept me in. There. Oh wow! I shouldn't have been let out. Yeah. <sighs> so from here, he begins to furiously stalk Linda. Of course, he would even go as far as calling her friends and telling them what he'd do to her if she did not come back to him. Ah. Uh. Yeah. When the stalking and the calls weren't working, Bert would go on to hire people to throw rocks at her window in an attempt to scare her. Okay. And Bert's whole thought process behind this was, if I can scare her enough, she will come back to me. Oh, she'll come running back. Ooh, yeah, I ew. guess like for protection. I don't fucking know. Now, Linda would go to the cops like, Multiple, 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 multiple times. A lot of times. She couldn't even count the number of times. Would go to the cops and say, hey, there's this guy stalking me. You need to help me out. He's going to harm me. And they'd say, oh, there's nothing we can do. He's a lawyer. 
Ew. Yeah. Like, stalking laws are pretty bad now. I mean, they're getting a little bit easier, but, like, 50 is non-existent. Right. Non-existent. So, like, Linda had no help. Shortly after this, Bert would take it a step further and start looking to hire people to try and beat her up. (gasps) Thinking again, if I beat her up bad enough, she'll come to me because she doesn't want to get beaten up anymore. Oh, my God. He would, like, in the document, he described it as a primitive thought. Like, by him saying, oh, this is me primitively thinking, me, my manly thoughts, oh, if I beat her up, like, that makes it excusable. Not the fact that, like, no, you can't just fucking beat someone up to, like, make them be in a relationship with you. What the fuck? Yeah, sir, that's not how, like, if you want someone to like you and love you, that's not how you that's, do it. That's not what you do. It's not how it just works. Not how it works. Stick I'm, with the roses and shit. Yeah. Maybe another airplane ride. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, just maybe, try divorcing your fucking wife. <laughs> just a thought. Or, like, I don't know. quit your shit, dude. Chill. I'm just, ugh. So, again, like, she's realizing that it's escalating, and a lot of her friends are even saying, like, I think he wants to kill you. So she would go to the cops begging for help. No one is doing anything. It gets to the point where she describes it as, like, she is the only one aware of the danger that she's in, but no one around her seems to care. Oh, man. No. So... It does get a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit better for Linda when Larry Schwartz gets out of the army and reappears back into Linda's life. Aww. So, though Larry was a simple man, he was really nice and easygoing. And, like, Linda would say he, it's a very, like, simple lifestyle compared to the lifestyle that she had with Bert. Right. But she could see herself having a normal way with Larry, and Linda was completely enchanted with the idea of it. Mm-hmm. So after going out on a few short dates, they soon refell in love and even became engaged. Aww. And everyone around them would become so happy, and everyone thought, like, finally life is moving on for them, and everything is going to get better. <laughs> that is until Bert finds out. So when Bert goes over to Linda's... sounded probably like I was trying to... Dying. (laughs) I was, yeah, going to go for, like, sitting on the toilet, but... (laughs) That's not what I sound like. Ew, never mind. Get that image out of your head right now. (laughs) Why did I even say that? But uh, I just knew, like, there was going to be a butt coming, and... (sighs) Okay, I'm ready. I'm fine. Bert finds out when he goes over to Linda's father's house and Bert goes over there with the intention of eliciting Linda's father to essentially get Linda back into his life. And when he goes to Linda's father with his little maniacal plan of manipulating him to get Linda back into his life, Linda's father goes, oh, we're too late. She's already engaged. Like, I'm (laughs) going to help you. And Bert, like... Bert's mind re-breaks for the fucking third time. Right. He's like, no, no, no. That's where he's like, if I can't have her, fucking no one can. So he would even go over to Linda's place and hide in the shadows (gasps) and wait for Linda and Larry to arrive. Ew. And once he sees them, he pops out of the shadows, draws out a gun, (gasps) 
and aims it right at Larry. But in the documentary, he says, It is much harder to shoot someone than you think. And he is not able to pull the trigger and simply retreats. Okay, well, that kind of makes me feel a little better for him. I guess until he decides, okay, I'm just going to pay someone to do it for me because I'm fucking Okay, never fucking mind. He takes the little pussy bitch way out because he can't do it himself. He has to pay someone to do it for him. He's a little pussy. Sorry. Why do you even fucking try? I'm just like, fuck, dude. Now, I'm sorry. Um, I do not get the names of all of the men. I probably, I'm not going to lie, I probably could have looked a little bit into that, for which I'm sorry. Um, But the, like, in the short research that I did do, like, they, in all of the articles, they just describe them as the three black assailants. The three black assailants. Like, I cannot get the names of these men. So I got two in the documentary, and I think I got the last name of the last one. So I do apologize if I'm able to find it um, at some other point. I'll give an update on that because I, even though they did something bad, but I don't know. I don't know. Anywho, so <laughs> he offered a man by the name of Alan Newkirk to essentially beat Linda up, or I don't know. Like people were saying, he straight up wanted her dead. So it kind of seemed like the intention was to kill her, but we don't really know. Right. Alan would then hire two other friends. One, I believe his name was Harry Harden, and the other, I believe his na- last name was McMillan. So Alan hires Harden and McMillan to go with him and to go to Linda's house to do their attack. Now, under Bert's statement, Bert said that he just paid the man to beat Linda up. Allegedly. Okay. Like I had mentioned, I really do think he had wanted to kill her, but I don't know. That's what he says in court, though. Yeah. Either way, the men go to Linda's house under the guise that they are dropping off an engagement present to Linda. Ugh. Now, on the day of, Linda is getting ready for work. Her mother comes to her and says, hey, there's an engagement party or an engagement present for you at the door. Linda excitedly rushes to the door, assuming that it's from her fiancé, Larry. Now, since she's getting ready for work, she has both of her hands behind her head working in a French knot. Oh. And as she approaches the door that's slightly cracked open, she is met with a face full of lie. (sighs) For those who don't know, lie is, like, essentially acid. Oh. So I thought you were fucking... saying, okay, God, I didn't put that one together. I thought it's you okay. meant, like, she walked up, saw that the engagement present thing was a lie. <laughs> no, no, lie, no, no. L-Y-E. Lie, oh, which no. is, like, fucking, like, a bat what full of acid fuck? right into her fucking face. Holy shit. Right into her no. face. And her hands are behind her back, so, like, she couldn't even yeah. have, Yeah. Like, oh, put, God. Uh, so Linda rushes to the bathroom. Her mother and grandmother were in the house at the time of the incident. So, obviously, they're there, like, in hysterics. It's kind of not known who calls the ambulance, but at some point, an ambulance is called for her. Okay. And 
essentially Linda describes how she's like in the bathroom pretty much like throwing water on her face just like waiting for an ambulance to come because there's nothing else that she can do yeah yeah smart for her to do that because yeah I mean a lot of people that's not their first reaction no like mine on the ground screaming and (laughs) dying dying yeah of the experience Linda would say that Everyone was screaming around me, and I was terrified. And all I could think of was I just couldn't see. It was too late to be frightened to death because I was already dead. Oh, no. She knew she was dying, but she didn't. I know, but she didn't because, like, you're fucking, like, watching her say it. And I love, I love how in the documentary, at, like, the most intense parts, it always fucking cuts to a scene where she's just fucking sitting there letting her cigarette. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, like, taking a fat-ass drag. It's just, like, ooh, you see, like, this woman has fucking been through some shit yeah, in her life. Yeah, she's lived she's, a she's fucking like, life. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> it's just, like, such a iconic scene watching her fucking light that cigarette. And it's, like, after hearing the most tragic bits about her life, like, this woman just really handled her life with a sense of uh, grace. Yeah. It's it's really funny just to see her character. Like, you can tell she's, she's a spitfire attitude of a woman. Aww. So once she got to the hospital, the doctors assumed that she would lose her eyes, she would lose her sight, and that she would be permanently disfigured forever. But thankfully, she would survive. And of course, everyone knew who was responsible for it. And as soon as the cops came, and as soon as Linda could muster the strength to talk to them, she would say, Bert... I don't know how to say his last name, is the one that you need to arrest. (laughs) Yeah. So, once this happened, I mean, like, this is a fucking story of the century, man. It hit headlines. We're talking about, because also, again, I'm sorry, you have to think that this is the 50s. Right. You have three black men attacking a white woman because of her scorned white lawyer lover that hired them. I mean, like, it was just the biggest tea that has ever been fucking spilt in the 1950s and people were just going crazy right holy shit so Bert of course would claim that he had nothing to do with this what are you talking about and he would even go over to his friend and Bob good old Bob Bob do you think I could do anything like this Bert would ask and Bob to the documentary would go well, my heart says no, but my head says maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, and he tells Bert, if you did have anything to do with this, you need to hire someone to kill those three N-words. Oh, God. And I'm sorry, this is an early 2000s documentary. This is a lot of old racist white people saying some shit. So yeah. <laughs> you just, you hear some words and you're like, whoa, you just got to think like they're old and that's how old people used to talk. So just a word of caution to those who do watch the documentary. They don't bleep that shit out. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. But a tape would later be played in front of Bob in the DA's office because the office was bugged and literally replayed Bob saying those words. <laughs> to Bert. And I think what disturbs me more is that, like, Bert was or Bob wasn't really sorry about it. Bob just kind of laughed like it was funny. Oh. I was like, oh, shit, I got caught, but you're not going to do anything about it. And I was like, oh, my God, Bob, 
Okay. Scary old man. But um, yikes. Bert would. Yeah, it was a big yikes moment. I was like, oh, that's actually kind of terrifying. But uh, we're just we just blew over it like nothing happened. <laughs> Bert would take this advice to heart, and he would actually try to meet Harden and McMillan, like two of the guys that had he had paid off to meet in a dark location. And the men straight up refused because we're, they were like, no, like, we're no, you're going to fucking kill us. Yeah, we're because, not dumb. Yeah, because the men were actually blackmailing Bert. Ha 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 Yeah. So Bert was getting a taste of his own fucking medicine. The men were like, we're about to fucking go to jail. I think all three of, again, it's not really said, but in the documentary, they had mentioned something about a life sentence. So I imagine that all three of them were getting... Because, again, this is the 50s and it's a black man attacking a white woman. Like, I could easily see them getting life for something like that. Yeah. So, it's just, like, they were getting life in prison. They absolutely did not give a shit. Like, they were going to take Bert down with them. So, they were blackmailing him for money. They were saying, hey, you need to do what we want or we're going to give you up. Like, all this shit. And Bert was getting really, like, freaked and sketched out. And... Of course, after he made this attempt to meet with the two men and they're like, no, fuck you, you're going to kill us. The threats would only get worse. And Harden or one of the men that was in that group would even manage to get a group of guys to run Bert off the street in his car. And it would actually land Bert a stay in the hospital because he ended up breaking some of his ribs from the incident. Uh So it was pretty scary for Bert. He was thinking like, oh shit, either my life's about to end or I may actually go to prison for this. Right. But all the while, he's still sending flowers to Linda. Ah! And he's even trying to call her to get to see her again. And after they had a call where he was trying to like meet her in person, just three days after that phone call in 1959, he would be arrested for the assault of Linda. Hell Yeah. So, after Bert was arrested, his mother and Francine would essentially never talk to him again. So, Francine was, would essentially say that she wasn't surprised that Bert would do something as crazy as this. Um, and she just, like, sold the house and put their daughter into a home and, like, lived her life elsewhere. Okay. I guess. Yeah, it's kind of sad, but that's just what happens. Yeah. Bert's father would end up getting a lawyer, and though Bert would say that his father had the best intentions of hiring this lawyer, his father didn't know that the lawyer actually suffered from epilepsy and would have seizures on the regular. Oh. And Bert could just see his case going downhill. And he was like, there's nothing that I can do at this point other than become my own attorney. So that's exactly what he does. Of course. Jesus. (laughs) Which um, I think may have actually been a worse worse decision to make than keeping his other attorney. Yeah, that surprised a little bit. Yeah, he see he wasn't a like defense attorney or anything like, like that. Like a criminal law, yeah. Yeah, he didn't do anything like that, <laughs> and so I, he didn't really know what he was doing. Yeah. Some of like in the documentary, they just show a bunch of newspaper article titles, and some of the news titles include Bert charges the prosecution by the DA. 
Bert hits the city with a $5 million lawsuit against the city, (laughs) judges, and the prosecutor. Bert would even try to arrest the prosecutor and arrest the whole court. And he would even go as far as saying that his judge was mentally ill. Oh, my God. And when all of this didn't work, Bert would try to make his plea of him being mentally ill and even go as far as cutting his own wrists, though Bert would say that this was on purpose. He did it so they could see him as insane. Yeah. But he essentially took his glasses that he would wear, he broke them, and then took the glass, cut his wrist, spread the blood everywhere so they couldn't see, like, I guess where he was bleeding from, and then scream until someone came and got him. And the whole time he was screaming, Linda, I love you, <gasps> Linda. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Linda would actually hear of this and she was like, bullshit, next case. Huh. Obviously, after his whole failed suicide attempt, you would have psychiatrists that would examine him and basically call all bullshit on the whole uh insanity plea being like no you're not mentally ill like we're throwing that plea out the window and that's at the time they would find that he had that like 133 iq he was actually a super smart dude yeah. so like your plea is rejected and then in court you would have all of these witnesses that would come in and really like put the or what's the quote they would just uh really damage this man's character by just continuing to say all the things that he did to Linda and like Linda would even uh it made it seem like they didn't do victim impact statements but Linda was seemingly I guess the first person in the city to give some type of victim impact statement I don't really know if that's true that's kind of how they made it seem though okay um and she would give her ordeal and it was a very dramatic and intense moment and she would cry and basically say like you need to give this man life like he ruined my life yeah so it would only take two to three hours for the jury to deliberate but they would find him guilty and sentence him to 30 years (gasps) now linda would say that this wasn't long enough that she wanted him to rot for life but she was overall happy with the outcome now, here's, <laughs> here's where you think the story should probably end. Oh, and God. honestly, it should end here. Sorry. I was gathering my... Your ending conclusion thoughts? Yeah. But yeah, I was uh... gathering my thoughts. Uh, <clears throat> all right, go but on. No, 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 no. We're not, we're not done yet. It, it wouldn't be that interesting, the story, if we stopped now here with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, believe it or not, we actually haven't gone to the craziest part. Oh, mm-hmm. shit. So we go back to Linda. Now Linda is trying to get a grasp on her new life. Um, Now in the hospital, she would offer back her engagement ring to Larry. And she would say, you know, like, you don't have to stick with me. This thing that I'm about to go through, this ordeal is going to be very trying. It's going to take a lot out of us. And you don't have to go through it with me. I completely understand if you want to leave. But Larry would say, no, I love you. I want to stay by your side. And he stayed the entire time. He would even, like, his parents would go and they would give gifts and blah, blah, blah. That is, until the papers left. Oh, God. At which point, he said he no longer wanted to marry her. Wait, until the papers left? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, the... Because 
it was very publicized oh, the newspa- and like, like the, the newspapers and stuff. Okay. Yeah. They didn't have social media. They had like newspapers. Yeah. So all the newspapers and the tabloids would be there. So as soon as those newspapers stopped taking the photos, stopped taking the interviews, Larry was like, all right, I don't got to play the nice guy anymore. Peace. Ew. Linda would keep the ring though. Hell so yeah. That's nice. <laughs> and the way she said it in the documentary, and then she took like a little, hmm, I was like, ooh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> so you would really think that, I mean, like having someone throw acid into your face would really hold you back on life after that whole ordeal. Mm-hmm. Um, but Linda really seemed to flourish after the incident. She even wanted to become independent after it, and she got a one-bedroom apartment of her own. And she continued working. In fact, she didn't even need a seeing eye dog or any type of cane. So Um, she was left completely blind. Now, she wasn't fully blind. She did have some vision, though it wasn't great. Okay. So I guess that's what allowed her to get around without that cane or seeing eye dog. Right. But later on in life, when she gets older, she does become completely blind. So it's I don't know how long she keeps the vision. Okay. She would even utilize this opportunity to pick up the habit of doing art and paint, which she was actually really good at. Um, I'll try and find some of her art pictures to post, but they're actually pretty good. And so after Bert uh, gets sentenced to jail, she essentially, after the trial, packs up her bags and goes to Europe and and has what Linda describes as like the best time of her life. She goes, I was a size six taken in. She would spend all of her money on these what she called dynamite looking frames for her eyes. And basically, the acid really just got on her eyes. So her eyes were left pretty disfigured. But once she had a dark pair of shades on, it was really not that obvious that she was disabled at all. Okay. So, and I'll show some photos of her with her sunglasses on, but. You could not really tell that anything was wrong, and she would say that she had no trouble getting men at all. Like, in um, fact, she would even, like, find a man that wanted to marry her later on. But her attitude towards men, though, would kind of be like she has gone through so much that she's not giving anything away. Like, she's she's still, yeah. Yeah, and so she still, like, didn't sleep with men or do anything like that, Uh, though... I do believe she had a conversation with a friend's sister that may have given her the courage to lose her virginity, though it's, like, not fully said. But she was just kind of like, live your life, girl. Just got to do it. Yeah. (laughs) But so Linda would go on to meet this man who, like, becomes totally smitten with her and even says, like, I want to marry you one day. Like, wants to bring him to or wants to bring her to his parents, the whole shabil, shebang, whatever. (laughs) And she is kind of taken aback because... I guess, like, in her mind, she didn't know if she could get married again. So she's like, I don't know. And she's talking to a friend, and her friend goes, well, you got to, why don't you show him yourself with your clear glasses on? Because he's only ever seen you with your dark frames on. And if he still likes you after that, then, like, yeah, you can go on and marry this guy. So she wears him to work one day. And when he goes up, uh, she says that he's kind of, like, taken aback when he sees her. And that after she sees him her in the clear glasses he calls the relationship off oh (laughs) yeah and once this happens this like really destroys linda and it ruins a lot of the confidence that she gained throughout that time and she goes on to describe that she feels like damaged merchandise and that she's really never gonna 
ever have a chance of getting married because like who would want to marry her oh no yeah it's it's sad now Bert's life in prison was rather interesting um he would kind of like be beaten up by the guards a little bit threatened (laughs) but it was kind of for good reason so the guards would often say like don't help the inmates here you're no lawyer here and like though he wasn't a criminal lawyer all it took was for him to pick up a book and all of a sudden some of the inmates that were at the prison which uh, I'm sorry I really uh, couldn't find the name or I just like didn't try hard enough my bad (laughs) but all of a sudden the criminals in the prison were finding loopholes and like being set free even though some of them were like completely guilty of the murder charges that they did shit (laughs) um yeah so he represented some like spooky people of the time even though I don't really know who these people are but I can assure you that they're probably spooky because their names were being said like they were supposed to be spooky so he would represent people like William Sutton or Willie Sutton Jerry the Jew Rosenberg and Carmine the Snake Prosecco (laughs) and he even reversed three murder convictions in a row and because of that the jail got really upset and basically sent him to solitary confinement (laughs) And Bert would say, like, there's really not much that you can do in there besides masturbate. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. And basically just, like... Triggering. I know. And basically just, like, use that time to, like, masturbate and think about Linda. Oh, God. Yeah. Just so weird. Um, His time in jail would turn a little scary, though, because of, like, his mom had written that she thought it was good for him to receive this so he began to receive shock treatment as a way to try and like cure him of his i don't know bad thoughts it's fucking weird his infidelities yeah (laughs) so some time has passed he gets convicted in 1959 so now we're in september of 1971 and the attica prison riots break out Uh which yeah just big prison riots maybe we'll do an episode on it who knows but while these riots are going on and a lot of these inmates are getting killed uh two black men come into Bert's room and say follow us like these people are coming in and they're shooting like you need to follow us or you're going to get killed (gasps) so they essentially carry him all the way to the gate and as Bert says saves his life and it's once he gets to the gate where he meets a man by the name of William Kuntzler who is a defense attorney and becomes his friend, his buddy, and yeah, starts to like essentially represent him. Did he purposely own... break Bert out, you think? No. Well, Bert is still technically in prison. It's just uh, they did it to so that he wouldn't be one of the inmates who was murdered out in the corridor. Oh, it's gotcha. like a, a lot. So he didn't like escape. A... He just met that dude there. Yeah. Okay. Because gotcha. Bert. Uh, or not Bert, William uh, Kunstler was a defense attorney who was trying to help all of these inmates by saying, like, because of this riot, there's a lot of negligence going on, gotcha, yada, yada, yada. Gotcha. So it's not like any of these inmates that went to the gate were essentially, like, are necessarily freed, but... Um, yeah, they, I just, I was, didn't know because of the riots if people were able to escape and stuff like i don't know and but if they were if they have like escaped in a sense i think it would be like they were a runaway convict and yeah it, it would be a whole ordeal they're not just like gonna let people out of prison or anything like that but yeah so 
while all of this is going on, while Bert is in prison, Linda's life from where we last left off really seemed to have gone downhill from there, Aww. or at least in her eyes, and kind of in real life, too. Hmm. Uh, so she can't really work anymore. Her grandmother at this point has passed away, and her mother herself was becoming senile and had all time, like the pre stages of Alzheimer, Alzheimer's. And Linda was really wondering, like, what was where her life was going. How am I going to live? How am I going to do anything? Like, what the fuck? And while all this is going on, she'll, like, continually get letters from Bert. She'll get calls from him. She tries to change her number, her address. She moves. Like, nothing seems to work. She just can't really, like, shake him off her back. And it's then on one day where she gets a call from William Kunstler and says, and William, or Bill, says, Bert loves you so stinking much and Bert wants to get back with you. Oh, my God. And she goes, well, fine. Why doesn't Bert send me some money? And <laughs> so they somehow agreed to have a conversation on the phone. And Bert goes, well, is money what you really want? And Linda goes, well, yeah. <laughs> and so Bert starts charging for his services. And in about a week or so, he writes a check to Linda for $4,000. So as soon as Linda gets this check, she goes straight to the parole board and says, don't let him out of the prison. He just gave me $4,000 to harass me. (laughs) And so on the way to the parole board meeting, Bert's like, fuck, I don't want to go. They're not going to let me out. She just said that they're harassing me or I'm harassing her and yada yada. But he goes anyways. And the people on the parole board go, well, did you send her this money? And Bert goes, well, yeah, I did. And they ask, well, if we let you out, will you continue to send her money? And Bert goes, well, yeah, if I, you know, like, can make it out there in the real world, if I can get a job and shit, like, yeah, I'll keep paying her. And the parole board goes, all right, you're leaving here on March 21st. What? Yeah. (laughs) So Bert is released after, like, 14-ish, fifth, I don't even fucking know. After, like, a certain, I think it was, like, 14. Yeah, 1971. 14-ish. Sorry if that math is wrong. In jail. (sighs) Yeah. And um, (laughs) after getting out of jail, he starts doing work as a paralegal in Queens County. Because technically he cannot, like, they took his bar degree away or his bar license away. Yeah, he can't be a lawyer, but he can still work in law. Yeah. Um. And he was not obviously not allowed to contact Linda, but he would go to TV sources. He would go to news outlets and basically confess his love to her and even go on TV and apologize and beg for her back and essentially say, Linda, I want you to marry me. Now, everyone's fucking shocked, of course, because they're like, what the hell? What the hell's going on? Yeah. I'm, I'm be- right there with them. Well, they become even more shocked. Uh, when Linda agrees! Linda! So, I mean, like, she doesn't agree right away. If that helps. <laughs> Not really. Linda! Okay, okay, all right, okay. So, for Linda, like, she's back in the papers again. She's back in the limelight, whatever. Um, One of her friends, who was actually a cop that was, like, scheduled to protect her during the trial, Margaret Powers, um, really described Linda's life as, like, sad and alone. 
Yeah. Like, just didn't see it going anywhere. So I guess Linda thought Bert But she's just going to turn into another Francine. I don't know. It's just I or just no. thought Bert loves me. It's, we'll get into that. I just, oh. So she agrees. Okay, you know what? As long as the cops are there, let's meet. So she agrees to meet Bert. And he, Bert goes, oh, my God, Linda, you're as beautiful as ever. And then Linda goes, oh, Bert, you're a new man. Prison changed you. Oh, you God. have some muscles. You got some manliness to you. And Bert proposes again in person. And she goes, well, let, let's wait a little bit. Let's take it slow. And so they begin dating. And then five months into dating, they get married. <gasps> hmm. And, like... Because of that, it's, like, uh, disturbing. It's odd. I'm, like, really worried. But, I mean, okay. They become, like, the most famous couple on the planet at the oh moment. Like, everyone's so intrigued with it. They're like, what the fuck? They appear on, like, People Magazine, the cover. Bert's salary, like, doubled, even tripled from the fame. They, like, got to travel and meet all these people. It was Wrote just like, three oh my books. God. <laughs> yeah, like, go on all these appearances on TV. She'd be like, oh, my God, I love him so much, blah, blah, blah. But then they would go to home clips and she's screaming, you maniac, and like ah! saying all this shit. But they would always say that they were like glued to the hip. And when she became fully blind, he became her eyes. Oh. And Linda would say that uh, marrying him was really the best revenge because now he has to deal with her in her old age. And her, <laughs> which yeah, her, da- her baggage and her damage that he caused, yeah. he has and to deal like, with. Yes, he, he made his bet. He had... He- made his bed now he got a lie in it yeah it's like there's one clip where (laughs) she's like but where are you water the plants and then he's watering the plant but where are you where's my coffee where are you and he's like i'd have he's (laughs) then he said something about like you can do better things like fucking defending the capital than watering these plants (laughs) just like so in the documentary they're like old and living together married. Yeah. Oh my and God. Clips. And there's like one where they're sitting at the fucking diner together and she's like, uh, and he goes, oh, you got fired as soon as you met me. And she's like, no, I didn't. That's not the reason why. And he's like, oh, it's the reason why. And she's like, well, I don't see it that way. And he's like, oh, I see it that. And it's just like, they fight. And it's just like, okay. it's kind of cute, but it's whatever. <laughs> It's cute. Go on. Oh my it's creepy. god. It's cute. Go on. Okay, this is the like strangest survival <laughs> it's, it's story. It's so odd. It's so odd because oh you god. you go from Linda saying like I wish you died like rotten hell. You don't just des- like, like he you ruined didn't get her life. And now she's like I love you so much. You're so sweet. Look at that little face. Oh my god. Uh, and I'm just like Linda. Uh, Linda. Oh my god. <laughs> So they they never had children, and Linda says she does regret it, but she's happy to be with him, so I guess good for her. <laughs> and they lived happily in a four-bedroom condo. Oh. At least, <laughs> I'm doing that so much. <laughs> At least that is until October of 1996, when oh. Bert was accused of harassment and sexual abuse to a 42-year-old woman named Evangeline Borgia, whom he was having an affair <gasps> with. Oh, yeah. I called it. She became another Francine. Mm-hmm. Called it big time. So, 
very, very eerily to how his affair with Linda went because Evangeline was like 27 years his junior or something like that. Just throw that out there. Not that like whatever, they're old, but still. She too broke it off with Bert after finding out that he had been married because Bert had said, and like he's saying this with fucking Linda right next to him. (gasps) He's saying like, I told her that I would get a divorce. I told her that I would marry her. And he's like, well, she was making that up. And he's like, well, I may have said it, but I didn't mean it. And Linda's like, just shaking, like, oh, my God. I was just like, what the fuck? So Evangeline basically says, like, um, as soon as she found out that he was married, he broke it off. And then he started stalking her, started threatening her, saying, if I can't have you, no one else will. Oh, my God. There was an instance where, like, he was trying to get her to go to dinner and he grabbed her from behind and, like, grabbed her breast and was saying, if you don't go to this dinner with me, it will be your last. And, like, you know what I've done in the past. Like, I know these people. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, really threatening shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, of course, Linda is fucking shocked by this. She's thrown. She's floored. Floored, if you will. <laughs> But she stands by him. Oh, God. And even gives, like, a statement, a character statement, whatever, saying that, like, no way did he do it. He wouldn't hurt a fly. And, like, I think because of that, nothing really came of it. Like, I don't really know if he got charged. I don't think he went to jail for it. Like, it was just whatever. I don't know. It's just what that. The so that happened. And then they just, like, continued to be together. Okay. And like live their life. And in the document, he's like, I've been faithful. I haven't done anything for the past 10 years. And she's like, at least that I haven't caught. <laughs> and he laughs. Ew, that's so <laughs> twisted. Yeah. So Linda Riss would go on to pass away in 2013 of natural causes. And Bert. Pugash would go on to pass away himself on Christmas Eve of December of 2020. So, like, literally not that wow. long ago. Oh, yeah. Pretty recently. At the age of 93. But he would not leave the world without one last sword love affair, of oh, course. Oh, God. So, he has a $15 million state at stake. And there's currently a lawsuit going out. It may have been settled. Um... Sorry if it has been. I'll do an update if it has. But there's a, currently a lawsuit playing out in the Manhattan Supreme Court that his 52-year-old caregiver, Shaman Sheila Farley, basically changed his will after he suffered a stroke that like left him impaired. Oh. Now, she claims that she was his lover. Okay. Even though she has a husband. Ugh. And how old was she? She's 52. 52. Did I already say, did you already say that? Yeah, I'm sorry. it's okay though. I, I do that all the time. But her husband, you see, was actually in a relationship with another man. Um, <gasps> okay, so, all right. So, it makes kind of sense. What was odd though was on the day of Bert's death, $150,000 was moved out of his account into an unknown savings account. Ah, there were also some rumors going around that Shaman had isolated him, mistreated him, manipulated him, and basically once she got what she wanted from him, she starved him to death. Oh, no. Ew. Woo. 
So towards the end of his life, uh, P- Bert's death or sorry, Bert's health had become so bad that he had begun living in the Farley home or like Shaman's home. But Bert's friends would say that Shaman's husband, her gay husband now, I guess, pretended to be Shaman's father to give the illusion that she was single. Oh. So, like, Shaman was playing Bert. Wow. Doing his old trick. Oh, my God. So, they basically said that the couple's son, Nicholas, who is also a police officer, was in on the scheme and would use surveillance technology, whatever goes into that, to record Bert's meetings and phone calls and try and, like, get information and all of this. Holy shit. But Shaman would go, like, no, this was solely a love affair. He put me in the will because he loved me. Her husband... The officer would even insist, like, their marriage was over because he came out as gay and he had a lover. So, it's like, this is all valid. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, like, the battle continues. But I guess you could say in the end, Bert got a little taste of his own medicine. So, oh God. that is the truly fucking crazy, insane, loop-de-loop roller coaster of a story of the love, crazy love story that is... Bert Pugosh and Linda Riss. I love roller coasters. It oh my god, this one. Okay, so that one was great. I love Twisty Turvies. Uh wow. And Linda, yeah. amazing survival story. Interesting ending for sure. What were you thinking, girl? Like, I really don't want to say any much more because I'm just like I know. Interesting. I mean, like, it's, I can't say much um, because I just, I understand, but at the same time, what the fuck? Yeah, so, wow. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. You know, just a little lighthearted story until we get into the dramatics. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> no one died. I know, it's it's somewhat, you know, someone only got blinded. But, but, I mean, she got her happy ending in the end, I guess. Linda seemed fairly happy with her life, so <laughs> at least there's that. Okay, <laughs> but, um, I'm definitely going to go watch that documentary. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a pretty good one. I just, I love the characters. Love it's, it's, a, it's a watch, for sure. I'm just like, wow, the thought process behind every single one of these people is very intriguing. It's just... Oh. Cheers to hopefully seeing those red flags and avoiding the fuck out of them, baby, because, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Cheers to, um, uh, cheers to, you know, the heart wants what it wants. Say <laughs> la vie. Don't even know if that's the right one. But until next time, guys, be sure to follow us on... I was about to say Pinterest. <laughs> follow us on follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Good Pods, TikTok, TikTok. Yeah, at R A R W Podcast. Yeah, and maybe send us an email if you want at Red Rum and Red Wine Podcast at Gmail dot com. Yeah, so let us know promoted, what you like, what yeah, you want to hear. That in a sec. Yeah, give us a, give us a little talk. Maybe. Go down, give us a little five-star review. Maybe say if you like us and what about. Yeah. Red Rum and Red Wine podcast at gmail.com. 
Yeah. And uh, until next time, guys. Toodles. Bye.